We want to thank Next Level Marketing for being our opening sponsor on the podcast. If you have social media that you use for marketing, you need to check out Next Level Marketing and follow them on Facebook. You can also reach them at Gary Bontrager Consulting on our website, www.garybontrager.com. They will do a free audit for you and check out what your social media, how it's performing, what loopholes there are, and how you can tighten it up and be more effective with your marketing. They will help put strategies together to use organic growth to maximize the dollars that you do spend. We appreciate them being an associate sponsor with us on this Mindset Growth Podcast and enjoy what they do for us. This is a company that we work with and we endorse, and we don't take that lightly. I want to welcome you to another episode of Mindset Growth Podcast. I'm very excited today for our guests that we have with us. This is a person that I met a number of years ago and just was very intriguing, and I could tell there was just a different depth about him and that he uh, really liked to not only personally dig deep to understand himself, to reach his potential, but I learned quickly that's something he does for others as well, is try to help them navigate and set themselves up to maximize their growth and their potential in life. There's a lot of things that I'm so excited to ask about in this interview. I'm just uh, looking forward to it. So without any further ado, I'm going to welcome Greg Hain to the podcast. Welcome, Greg. Thanks, Gary. I am glad to be here. Well, I am happy to have you here. Um, uh, one thing, I know some of these questions already, but just tell us a little bit about yourself and your child. <clears throat> sure, but before I do that, okay, yes. you talked about mindset. And... Um, uh, I thought it's in, it's interesting to me because my focus right now in my work is all about mindset. Yes. And what I'm finding <clears throat> is that that if we would pull whoever's listening in, all right, and ask them if they think they have a growth mindset or not, okay, they're all going to say, oh, yes, I've got a growth right. mindset. Then if you watch how they actually go about executing their life, whether it's right. in the work environment or the... No, that's not what I right. have. Right. right. That's the interesting thing. So I grew up in the household of a commercial general contractor and uh, in a small town in Ohio. And um, so um, I grew up in the construction business. I learned about the business aspect of construction at the dinner table as my father would share with my mother every evening what had happened that day. And I'm right. sitting there being trained, right? not even knowing it, you know, right. when I'm a young kid. And so when I got out of college, I'm a graduate engineer, but when I got out of college, I um, uh, worked in an engineering firm for a short period of time, which I wanted to do. This is not for me, so I went back into the family business. Okay. And from there, I went through a whole series of evolutionary steps, some of which, you, you know, we've talked right. about before, to get to where I am today. Okay. Oh. Uh, we know a lot of successful people have um, a morning routine just to kind of start their day. Do you do you have a morning routine? I think um, I, in the past I have, and currently I have, and currently it's evolving. All right, um, and I think they're really important. Um, so in the past I was always up at five o'clock, always. Um, 
now that's not the case because the nature of my work and my obligations has changed. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have a morning routine um, in terms of I get up and I um, get myself awake, I shower, I have breakfast. There's nothing unique about that. But it is a routine that I do consciously. Mm -hmm. It's not something that I kind of just do. I'm aware of what I'm doing. And I also have uh, an evening routine. And this is actually more important to me right now because um, uh, I have trouble sleeping sometimes. I don't have any worries. It's just that as you get older, you don't need as much sleep. And I wake up more. And because I'm a male, I also have to get up in the night um, more often. And so I make sure that I eat early. I make sure that I get off the, the, the phone or the apps early um, so that when I go to bed, um, I have done all of the, the sleep hygiene sorts of things I need to do. Yeah, yeah stay right. away from that blue light. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You well, know, if, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say evening routines are just as important, I think. As, as morning routines. Well, I do too. I think there's a lot about, uh, and we can get into the weeds on this even a lot more later, about how uh, you just opened up a little bit, which I really want to dig into some more, Definitely. about a mindset, a growth mindset, <laughs> which is why I, what we look for on this podcast is people who maybe started here and ended up over here, and they had to do so by probably completely changing what they believe and how they function and what they do to make that happen. Well, I've certainly done that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one reason you're here is because of that. And I know uh, you're right about evening routines as well as morning routines. Uh, it's so important and it's so important about even just the thought processes and things we go through as we go to sleep because it can set us up or even things we do at periods of time throughout the day. So that's, that's very surface there, but sure. it, it, it is super important. And I sure. know the impact personally on that. Well, and of course I'll try to, I try to read a little bit before bed. Yes. I don't read on a screen. I read a real, real book. Right. Okay. And normally what I want to read is something that is uh, spiritual. Right. Okay. Not, not something to wind me up, but right. something to, that's going to tend to hopefully center me better. Right. Yeah bring you back into your yeah. center focus. Yeah. We're going to ask you a couple questions you did not receive in the email. And That's these are just what we okay. call, uh, we call them our uh, rapid fire. Rapid fires. They're just our fun facts here. Uh, so the first one I'll ask you, did you have a nickname growing up? My mother called me hotshot. <laughs> <laughs> What's the story behind that? Um, so I, I grew up with a very typical type A personality. Okay. And I think that that's just something that, that came out. Because, okay. Yeah. She just had yeah. to. I don't think there's any special significance to she that. She just had to yeah. <laughs> coin something yes. with you there. Yeah. Do you collect anything? I collect ideas. Okay. Do you write them down? I don't write them down. I cut and paste them in an app. <laughs> okay. Um, but... Um, as Gary's already alluded to, I've gone through lots of different transitions in my life. They've almost all been, not almost, they all have been proactive, not reactive. And there's times that I find that I'll run across a quote or a, a snippet of an article 
that that's strikes me as being important. And so I cut it out and I, I, I use Evernote and I stick it in Evernote and then I will come back to that uh, periodically. Um, some of them are ideas, some of them are principles, um, things that just appeal to me, that, that inspire me or challenge me. Uh, and by challenge, that means make me uncomfortable. Okay? Right. And um, so I collect those things. Um, one of my hobbies is stereo. Um, I have, my stereo has its own room. And so I collect records. So for instance, we're in Iowa city right now. And the, the record collector store is just around the corner and down the street. So when I finish here, I'll probably walk over there and see if there's any records I oh, want to buy. Fun. I probably have a thousand records. Yeah. And that's vinyl. Vinyl. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's the best sound. Yeah. Well, <laughs> some people think so. Yeah. <laughs> just nothing like that little. Trying spot. to think if there's anything else I collect. Probably just. Yeah. Let me ask you this. When you collect those things of interest and you put them into Evernote, just for those listening, do you find it interesting or how does it, does it inspire you? Uh, because I can relate to this because I do some of that. Uh, when you go back and look at what you put in there, say five years ago or six months ago, is it interesting to you sometimes how maybe you can look back and go, that's where I was at that point in time, or uh, that's what I yeah, was going no, through? No, but, no, but. So I also journal. Okay. And I have journaled for off and on for 35 years. Okay. And there were periods of time where I would journal every day and I would have page upon page of stuff come spewing out. There's other times when I journal that uh, if I can get three sentences out, that's all that comes out. And all of these transitions that I, we keep alluding to, okay, right. um, have really come about through my journaling process. And what will happen in the journaling process is I will go back and I will read at the end of a year, the entire journal entries for that year. Mm -hmm. And so you'll read and Oh gosh, there's a lot of whining, <laughs> but you, but you read and then you see a sentence and that sentence may be in the middle of a paragraph. And then all of a sudden, two months later, here's the exact same sentence in a similar context in a different paragraph. And all of a sudden this sentence keeps appearing over and over again. And so you don't recognize the significance of it when you're writing it, but there's significance when you look at it over a period of time. And so by reflect, by looking at my journal, okay, that tells the story. Okay. That tells the story. So there's a couple questions I'm going to ask right there because I think it's valuable for listeners because I would want anybody listening to this. One thing they should know about you, Greg is, and this is from my perspective that you're an intellectual, deep person that takes seriously uh, really what your position on earth is and also what how you continue to grow yeah. and develop yourself. Right. So doing that, there's two things that come up. One, you brought up journaling. And two, the other point that you, and you brought this up about your morning routine. And the thing I see people do is they'll make a resolution or set a goal. And as soon as they break it, they just quit. And the thing that I think is if you're on a journey, which life is a journey, 
if we're on this journey, we're not going to always have the same routines, habits, and do no. the same things. Right. And if we hold ourselves to that high of a standard, we set ourselves up for failure and to feel defeat. So you, talk about that. You use the you use the morning routine, right, as a tool. Right. When the tool no longer works, or when the tool's no longer needed, you throw it away. You don't keep using the tool. Okay. Excellent. And um, so. Um, and that's the, 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 all these transitions, okay, have, they're tools. Right. So, um, so I, I, I graduate, so let, let's just, rather than keep talking about, let's talk about some of these. Yeah, all let's right? talk about it. So I come out of college, I go to work for an engineering firm. It was very clear that, that was not a long-term solution for me. Right. And um, so I went back into the family general construction business, which I swore I would never do, but after I see an alternative, I see the advantages of that. Right. And my father had a philosophy for how to run his business that was very workable for him, but I had a different personality. And he did a lot of what we called plan and spec work, which means you literally put together your bid, you put it in an envelope, you walk in and give it to somebody, they open all the envelopes, read them out loud, and the low bidder gets the work, mm -hmm. public work. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. He did a lot of that. When we would finish building the building, the people loved us. They and I said, "Why don't we why don't we cultivate the fact they love us and work for people that can just hire us?" Right. Well, that wasn't his thing. Right. right? So I left with his help and moved to Columbus, Ohio, where I opened a branch office to do commercial roofing work. Right. And I was successful at that to a point, okay? And I fed my family, but I got to a point where I got stuck. I got stuck because I had not learned how to effectively delegate. Right. I'm a recovering perfectionist. Okay? <laughs> so you worked a lot of hours. So I, yeah. And, but I, but I reached a point where I understood that my work was no longer helping me grow. Right. I was just stuck. So I said, something needs to change. I quit. And so I have three small children. I had money. Okay. It's, it wasn't like I did, didn't yeah, know. You where, were successful. I, I was successful. Uh, yeah, I was right. successful. I Can didn't have to work Can you tell us like, it. what age are you at this point when you decided to take you know, oh, change let's there? see. That would have been in my um, mid thirties. Okay. Okay. And, um, so, and at this point, you would have already been having certain morning routines and certain things to find a oh, yeah, higher sure. self-awareness. Oh, oh, sure. Oh, sure. Um, so I quit with, and I just took some time off. Right. Okay. And the idea was that the right thing will come along. And I have a friend who was a roof consultant and I'm also a pilot. Okay. And he said, Greg, I need to go down to to um, Memphis, why don't you fly down and help me with the inspections and we'll fly down and we'll fly back the same day. And so we got in his plane, we flew down to Memphis, we inspected a bunch of buildings, had lunch together, inspected a couple more, and we're back in Columbus by the end of the day. He said, you could do this. Mm -hmm. I go, yeah, I could do this. And so I became a roof consultant. And so I was then, a, I was a roofing contractor for let's say 15 years, and I'm still a roof consultant, but in about 2017, I reached a point in my work life as a roof consultant where I was not learning anything new. 
So I get, so a roof consultant is like an architect for roofs. And I would get right. hired by people who have a lot of buildings scattered over a large geographic area. So for instance, I had a, some, uh, a client that owned shopping centers. Literally, they had them in Seattle, Naples, Florida, New York City, El Paso, and everything in between. Right. And so I would go visit these properties, and they're managing them from a central location. So I would go visit them. I'd walk on the roofs, help them understand, okay, we need to fix this. We need to repair, repair this. We need to replace this. And then I would write the specifications and became like an architect for right. the roofs. Um, it got to the point where they would call me and I would hear all sorts of wild stories that I'd never heard before, but I got to the point where I always knew how to solve them. Right. And it became simply an exchange of my expertise, my skills, my experience for money. Right. That's not good enough. Okay. I need to get a certain kind of fulfillment out of work. So I said, I quit. Okay. Meanwhile, and so I, I went through a process of the, so when I left, when I quit being a roofing contractor, I made sure I finished all my work. I made sure all my employees had worked right. with other contractors. I, I set my clients up with the contractors that I knew that would be good fits for them. So right. I met all those obligations. So I, so the, the process of firing all my roof consulting clients took about six months and I just... It, they all thought this was organic. This was intentional. Okay? Right. And so meanwhile, I'm journaling. Okay. And meanwhile, as a roof consultant, most roofing contractor service departments are horrible. They don't exist. They, they, well, but sometimes they do. And <laughs> well, sometimes I, they do, but, but often but they what don't. I, but what I discovered as a, as a roof consultant is that I'm going to live with a roof for 20 years. It only right. takes three weeks to put it on. So I spent a lot more time dealing with their their service departments than with their production right. departments, and they were horrible, except yeah. some of them were excellent. Some of them were fantastic. Right. And it made my life so much easier. Right. Why are these guys so good and these guys so bad? And so right. one day, one day I I went into an office of a contractor friend of mine in Columbus, Ohio, and I said, you should try this in your service department. And I walked back in there four months later. And he said, hey, we tried that. It worked really well. You have anything else? And so I did, and I said, try this. And the next time I walked in, he said, you need to come train us. Everything you tell us to do works. So I said, I'm a roof consultant. I'm not a right. trainer. But he was insistent, so I went and trained him. And they went from two trucks to six trucks in two years, and their revenue per truck went up. Right. They were really happy. All right. So he said, you need to be selling this. So I, in the process of being a roof consultant, I also built a training program right. to help roofing contractors grow their, their business. Right. One of the companies I tr that, I work, that I modeled this after was Company B. We were talking this yes. morning about Company yes. A and Company B. Okay, yes. this was Company B. Okay. Right? And, and so I became this clearinghouse for best practices. Somebody would ask me a question. I don't have all the answers, but I know somebody that solved that in Seattle. So I called right. him. So in my journaling, one day, I'd write all that. One, I, I'm, I, I, one of the, I, I said, Greg, you should start peer groups. Because get all these people in a room. So I formed my first peer group in about ten days. I called all those people and I said, I'm doing this. They said, I'm in. I did not realize you started that as recently as what you oh, yeah. had. No, I, this, I just assumed this has only been going on for about six or seven years. Okay. okay. 
I had assumed you. And so I put the first period group together literally in 10 days. And then I did the first meeting and then I started two more. And now I have six. Okay. And we're starting, we're going to start some others. But that came because of the journaling. Right. I never would have thought of that otherwise. So that's interesting because I talk a lot with clients that I meet with that you cannot improve what you don't measure. Right. And I think a lot of times the question to people is, how do you measure the things that you do? And journaling clearly, to, and what I'm understanding you say is exactly a measurement oh, tool for so, you to go back. So you're, this is all, for me, this is all about personal growth. Right. My business has to be a tool to help me evolve as a human being. Right. I believe your personal growth is something that you can objectively measure, not subjectively, not a good warm feeling. Right. But when you change, people notice. 100%. And so my rule of thumb, and I've had this for as long as I can remember, is that if somebody is not coming up to me, who, and this isn't somebody like your wife that you see every day. Right. This is somebody that you only see twice a year or once a year. And you sit down with them, you have a substantive conversation and they go, you've changed. You're not asking them to evaluate, but no. th- they volunteer this. If I'm not hearing that twice a year, I'm not working on myself very right. hard. Right. Okay. 100%. And so, th- so the, the feedback that you get tells you. The other objective thing I've noticed is my friends have changed. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's something we talk about all the time. I look at who my friends are, and I'm going, wow, I must be getting good. <laughs> because I, I, I know how I feel about who these people are and that if there is a healthy friendship, there has to be a mutual, an equitable exchange of value. Right. They have to feel that way about me. Right. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Right. So I believe these things can be quantified so that you don't fool yourself. And I think most people are fooling themselves massively. Yeah, I would agree. It's uh, it comes back to, there's a comfort in just, feeling warm and fuzzy with the things that are so comfortable. Sure. And so you get like-minded people and you can kind of just rub each other's backs and feel very comfortable and leave, but you go home and it's like, well, we got to do it again, you know, which you need to work on yourself every day. But when you really dig into yourself personally, I mean, gosh, I know for myself, it's, it's two different things. Well, working on yourself personally, it's, it is something you need to do every day, but it's something that you need to keep in balance. Right. Because it's hard. Right. <laughs> it's not easy. And that's why I brought up the the fact of that you need to uh, really give yourself some latitude. You know, I mean, I'm working on a book right now and I'm working through the workbook with it. And one of the one chapters on setting goals and literally the very last thing I say is bullet point on that worksheet is give yourself room to adjust because here's the other thing that happened. And I want to ask you about this because it's just working through that yesterday, sitting here today with you. How many times do you see people then be so rigid in maybe what they've always done in a goal they set that they actually miss something better that's coming along and they're not in tune well enough with the universe to even see it develop. So let's understand goals are a tool. 
goals are not an end. Right. They're a means to an end. That's and you right. need to have the end in mind. Yes. You know, Stephen Covey wrote the right. seven habits and keep the end. Yes. Be- you got to begin with the end. In begin mind. with the end in mind. All right. So I think that one of the things that people need to do is they need to sit down and create for themselves a compelling future. Right. Something that drives them forward. Yes. And um, when you're young, often it's a business. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm 70. All right. So for me, what's compelling me is, is all different than it, it, it used to be. Right. It's, it's, it feels different. It looks different. But when you have a compelling future, so you set the goals. I have a, as you know, I used to be an EOS implementer. Right. Okay? And I don't know if your guests know what that is or not. Oh, a lot of them Okay, do, all right. Sure. So, so I had a client that um, he set his 10-year target. And after, I don't know, a year, he, and his target, he was an $18 million a year contractor, and he set his 10-year target to be a $100 million a year contractor. And he called me like two years later. And he said, Greg, we've, th- we've, we've thrown all that stuff out. He said, I realized it was a puny goal. Mm-hmm. That's his words. $100 million, he's, he's less than 20% of that. He said, that's puny. Okay. He understood that work, his, his business was not simply about business. It was about being a vehicle for him to grow as a human being. It was a vehicle for about to help him create a better quality of life for the people that work for him. And those were the sorts of things that he started focusing on. And um, so he had a, so he created that happened. And then he had this really compelling future. It was not an intellectual exercise. It was not. So here's something that we talk, I believe without, I mean, I have a lot of conviction in this. So many companies believe that they can take, and I don't care if it's EOS or who it is, but they can take their systems and processes, plug them into their company, and it's, facil- it's going to facilitate growth. And I see some who gain maybe nothing, others who do 10%, 20%. But that individual you're talking about, I promise you went on a personal growth journey and simply all the processes and systems, I don't care what company it's with, had less to do with it than it did himself. That's right. But you cannot grow an organization past your own ability. That's right. The number in, a, in a, any business, the number one pinch point is always the boss. Right. So I just, I, I don't know, I was just looking forward to this for so long because we're so far off script, Heather. That it's- oh, I know. Well, I, <laughs> we are. I mean, we've covered pretty much all of our questions right now, but I... I keep hearing you talk about personal growth and fulfillment. If, if you're not growing and learning in a job, it, it's not for you. you so Is let's that- understand. I don't think most people understand the, the true value of work. Right. So, you know, we talk about these snippets I have. I'm going to share some of these snippets with yes. you. All right. Great. Um, most people look at work as, and this is not wrong, okay, Mm -hmm. but they look at work as a way to earn money, Mm -hmm. to put food on the table, put a roof over their heads, maybe have a nice car or a bigger flat screen or have some, and and that's what money does, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I have some quotes on work. 
Now, I'm going to get this first guy's name wrong in terms of pronunciation, but I, Honoré de Balzac says, all happiness depends on courage and work. Einstein says, work is the only thing that brings substance to life. Another wise man said, work is where you find out who you really are. Proverbs says, work is the best teacher of a man. Hindu scripture says, all work is seva. Seva is service to God. Now, each of these people may be talking about work differently, but none of them are talking about earning money to put food on the table or roof over their heads. There's some other value for right. that. And that's the way I look at work. How did you come to that, though? Is that something that you grew up with? Like it was inherent in you or something that you like something happened and it, you started developing that mentality? So that's a great question. And um, I think that um, there is a let's, I'm going to say this as generically as I can. I think there's a spark of divinity inside all of us. And I think that when we are open to that and respond to that and accept that, all this other stuff happens. Um, I think that to the degree that we have a choice, sometimes people say, no, right. I don't want to respond to that. On a very basic level, you know, there's, there's, um, there's only two reasons people don't do things. They either don't know how or they're not willing to make the effort. Um, I think that biblically one is called uh, um, sin and, and the other one is called sloth or something right. like that. All right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a theologian, so I may have that <laughs> wrong, but, but, but realistically it gets down to either they don't know what to do or they're not willing to do the work. Right. I'm willing to do the work. And I believe that there's a spark within everyone. And all I, all I claim is I just responded to it. But it's not something that your parents would have fostered in you necessarily growing up. I and mean, they fostered a good work ethic. But when I'm here, you talk about work and you just give away those oh, five quotes. My, I, this did not come from my parents. Okay. I, and I had great parents. Right. But, no, I understand. But, but my, my father's was a depression baby. And when he started making more money than he knew what to do with, he took this foot off the gas. Yeah. Okay. When he was making more money than he knew how to spend, he didn't try to, to and he did not work on himself. He never worked on himself. Right. We want to thank Gary Bontrager Consulting for being a sponsor on the Mindset Growth Podcast. There's a variety of services they offer. They have human resources for one. They have a sales program. They also work with the financials, whether you need to help set up your QuickBooks or go with a high-level person that can help you do benchmarking, budgeting, and the likewise. They also do a lot of leadership training, whether you are the business owner, manager, or are just leaders in departments. They can tailor those packages for you. Reach out to them for a free consult and they will see what your needs are and offer different opportunities for you to put in motion to take your business to the next level. They have been successful over the past few years in helping organizations not only grow, but grow as much as two, three, and 400% in a 12-month period. Certainly, they understand it takes a strong foundation and there are years where there may be no growth leading up to this as they put the right pieces in place. Reach out to them 
at www.garybontrager.com. You can reach out to them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter and get the free advice that they offer. And that may be just what you need to set you on a different path to lead you forward and be successful in your business and your life. We appreciate them supporting us. But so when you say work though, and I'm, I'm focusing in on that word a little bit because I want the audience to understand what your true meaning of that is, because I don't think what you're saying is I get up and I'm at the, I'm on a house roof at eight o'clock in the morning till five in the evening. No. So, I, I yeah, mean, so, I want that so clarity the, on so, that. So I'm an entrepreneur. Right. Okay. So I'm hired from the neck up. Right. Okay. I used to be hired from the neck down. Okay. Right. When I was a roofer and I would work on the roofs. All right. Right. But um, I'm hired from the neck up. I'm hired for the ideas I have. And in my peer groups, I walk in there and I challenge them all the time. And may I share a story? Sure. All right. So I talk about how I pants around ankles. Right. right? <laughs> so I have people that, that I will go to a trade show and I'll say, okay, I, and they all know what I do. They all know I train service right. departments. And I say, okay, you know why I get hired? I had the boss calls me on the phone and he says, Greg, I've heard you speak at the trade shows. You're really good. I've tried to get them to do it, but I can't get them to do it. I want you to come in. I'm going to glad to hire you and pay you because I'm hoping you can get them to do it because I can't get them to do it. He said, when I talk to them, it's just like it goes in one ear and out the other. And so I, I, I say to the audience, I say, how many of you can relate to that? And they all put up their hands, right? Right. I said, fair enough. And I said, then what happens is they say, oh, Greg has other stuff he can help us with. He's an EOS implementer, or he does this, or he does that. And I get integrated more into the fabric of the company. Right. And these owners become my friends, okay? And... So we'll go out to lunch and when we go out to lunch, it's not, it, it, it's, it's, it's not vendor and supplier services, it's two buddies. Okay. And when I, and I've done this many times and occasionally someone will say to me, and this has happened to me four or five times over 15 years, you know, Greg, what the real value you provide to me is. And by now I know what's coming. I say, right. no, and they say, you tell me what you think I need to hear, whether I'm going to like it or not. Yeah. I have a whole building full of people to spend all their time trying to figure out how to tell me what they think I want to hear. And then I say to everybody, let me see a show of hands. How many of you can relate to, to that? You know, cause they're all bosses. The right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So congratulations. I think this makes you like virtually all other right. contractors and you've just owned up to a, at least a significant failure of leadership. Mm -hmm. And at worst, these are symptoms of a toxic work culture. Because they've created a... Yeah. Now what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Okay. So this is... They've, they've owned this. It's their own creation. <laughs> yes. So th th that's what I do. I, I, I help them see that what they have isn't good enough. Right. Okay. I don't... It, it's, and, 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 and there are contractors that I have in my peer groups that... You know, I've got like 50 contractors. As soon as somebody gets near retirement age and they take their foot off the gas, all sorts of problems start. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit? Because we have, I'm sure a lot of listeners are like, yeah, that, that I can identify with that. Everybody's trying to tell me what I want to hear. And you mentioned that's a toxic yeah. work, working relationship. Can you tell us a little bit as to why you say that? So as the owner of the company, you have to have 
a relationship with the company's employees that ensures that information that you need flows to you. It needs to be the right information. The only reason they don't tell you what they think you need to hear is because they're scolded. And the scolding doesn't come, shame on you for telling me this. Like when I trained contractors, it used to be they would have me come in and sit in their service department right, and see if I thought I could help them. And so I would do that. And inevitably, they would not tell anybody I'm coming, which they should have. And I'm sitting there with the coordinator, okay, the admin. So you've been and, into more than one of those uncomfortable meetings. I have. <laughs> and, and, I'm com and everybody else is gone. And so I just sit and watch her work. And I'll, I'll be a, spend a half a day there. And, and occasionally I'll ask her a question and she starts to notice that the questions I'm asking reflect the fact that I might know something about service. And so she starts to open up a little bit. And eventually I say, well, what do you think the problems are around here? And she knows exactly mm -hmm. what the problems yes. are. Yes. Yep. Yes. And so I say, when you tell your boss that, what does he say? And they always say one of two things. They either say, my boss never asked me for my opinion. That's toxic. Yes. Okay. okay. Or my boss has very clear ideas about how he thinks the service department should run. This is not consistent with that. He won't do it. Fair enough. Okay. That is also toxic. Okay. To think that you know how to do everything right. is ridiculous. Even if it's outside of your expertise. Even That's right. <laughs> yeah. So um, when, and then when you sit in these peer group meetings and you watch them talk about the dysfunctions that they have, and you listen to some of the nonsense that they say, and the other people are sitting there going, oh, okay, it, but they don't see it. And so part of my role in my work is to hold up the mirror. Yeah. That's so interesting because I just, re well, recently in the last few years worked with a company and I've done this with multiple, but I'll go into every department head and interview each one. And it takes a bit of time. And then you come back with an assessment. Yes. And it really can be an uncomfortable conversation. Oh, I bet it is. Because it is. it's, but it's so interesting that by the time you get finished with all of them, you know exactly where the problem is. But I have had more than once where the business owner has got his finger on one or two people because they don't perform or bow basically the way he wants. And he thinks they're holding up the progress. And I'm going, no, they're the only ones willing to even push some information your way. Yeah. You don't like it. So when you do this, correct me if I'm wrong, 100% of the time, the owner is uncomfortable as he's hearing this. Oh, certainly. Okay. So that means 100% of the time, these people that are hiring you ostensibly to get better, okay, they're the problem. Absolutely. Without... <laughs> <laughs> we see that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's an awareness of that. And I think that's why some of these business owners hesitate so long to bring somebody in to work with them because they know. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's back to when we talked, we started this talking a lot about personal development and the road yeah. you traveled. And I think I can tell you for myself and my personal experience, it wasn't just a lot of fun. <laughs> to recognize I was the problem <laughs> and why things were going wrong for yeah. me in my life yeah. Yeah. and why I was not experiencing the joy, the happiness yeah. and all the yeah. things that I was meant to experience. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I guess now we're kind of combining all of them together 
But I kind of feel like from personal growth to on the business side, but I feel like you really have to raise your self-awareness. I mean, what's some yeah, of your thoughts so, on that? Well, so as we've been, I realized that you asked me a question and I tear, tear you off that script that you've got. Oh, you're good. That is uh, fine. But we well, um, have the script here just in case yeah, we need time. No. <laughs> so I've talked about my journey as an entrepreneur. Okay. I have contractors say, well, I can't do that. I have this big business I have to run. Pardon me. That's BS. Yes. That is reflected of a mindset. Another dysfunction. Another But they have a fixed mindset. Yes. But they also, they don't, they, yes, they have a fixed mindset. They don't have, a, but they also have an idea about how their business has to run. And the reality is it doesn't have to run that way. Yeah. I know people in another group that have the same revenue. They have this, same this, the same that, and they're doing it completely differently and it works just fine. Right. So you have, and, and there may be people listening to this that are not the owners of the company. There may be people that are employees. They say, well, I'm an employee. I can't go just do this or do that. Greg's an entrepreneur. Right. No, you work for yourself, right. you always work for yourself, okay? Right. Somebody else may sign your paycheck, okay? But you always are self-employed. As long as you feel like I'm working for you and that's all I can do, you've put limitations on yourself. And that doesn't mean you need to go into business for yourself. No, no, I think that's a great point. And I really like to focus on that just a little. I think so often folks think, that if they're working for a company that that's just, they're just stuck there. They're kind of a, in a pigeonhole and there's no way to move around that. But I think going back to what our definition of work is that I want people to understand is it's a lot more than going and doing your eight to five because your work starts every morning when you wake up and it ends as you go through your routine to wind down. Most That's of, what I'm picking up. Well, most of my frustrations <laughs> deal with being stuck, having to metaphorically pound the nails, right? Okay, or go find the hammer. Um, where I'm have a vision for what I want the the building to look like, right? So, um, yes, but the work is more. I mean, it's not your just your physical that you're doing maybe transferring no because i don't i don't look like i make most of my money transferring a dollar for an hour right i feel like i made it the times i'm maybe out at a place out in the timber i go to or laying flat on the oh, floor oh, or oh. you know oh i'm trying to figure I, out I, my life so i i create all of the presentations i do driving in the car to the airport, okay. to the airport and back. Okay. It's 90 minutes up to Cedar Rapids. All right. And I have a process that I go through for creating a talk. And first of all, normally the content comes out of a journal entry. All of a sudden I've written something that's like, oh, I need to, Expand. I need to talk, I need to talk about this and I'm going to create a presentation. And then I get in the car and I start working on it. And by and, the time you get in the airplane, you're writing it out, probably. I never write it out. You don't. I never write it out. It's in your head. It's you in my it. head. And what happens is I just, I literally talk out loud. Just yeah. like, and I go, to, as you've noticed, I'm able to, right? to, to do things spontaneously. <laughs> but I get to a point and go, no, this isn't right. No, I, I have to cover this point first. So I start back and then I cover this point first and I have to figure out how to make it all fit together. But there's science in that. 
There may be science in it, but it's out of my awareness. I just do it. Well, but there's scientific fact that when we put ourselves in a place where our vision expands and opens up. Oh, that, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Our mind opens yes. up. Yes. And the ideas. Your, your physical vision. Right. Yes. Your physical yes. vision. And that's why I even encourage companies sometimes take certain departments or a team for lunch, have a list of questions to ask. You drive, but drive down an open road in daylight and start firing questions. You're going to get different answers in Absol the boardroom. Absolutely. It's, it's Absolutely. scientific proof. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, whether it's driving in the car or... Um, um, Looking, yeah, sitting, sitting in a park. Sitting in yeah. a, a walk in the woods. Anywhere you can open your vision it, 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 physically. Get yourself out of the routine. The problem with the walk in the park is after you've done the walk in the park long enough, all of a sudden the walk in the park is part of the routine. Mm -hmm. And so you have to find new ways to do right. that. The bicycle works for me. When I'm out pedaling the bicycle, there, there's a repetitive action. Yes. There's a meditative action to this, the constant pedaling that tends to f make my mind work differently. Well, let me challenge you with this. That's This is getting off topic just a little bit maybe, but... We also, and I know you're familiar with disc assessment, personality yeah. assessments, and they're a tool and have their place. Yeah. And, you know, really they're made up of three things. They're, you're, you know, humans made up of the DNA in their body, which we all get from our parents. And then the second would be the environment we grew up. And the third is the environment which we're in. Okay. And I think what I often see is people are like, well, why does this stuff, and I don't like this statement, but why does, why do these things always happen to me? But if we decide to change our environment, and how, because we can literally change our personality and I'm digging into a rabbit hole for you, but like oh, your, thing, your thing is on a bike. <laughs> yeah. But when you started to bike, I'll bet you it resonates back to something different at the time you started. Because I know things that I do go back to certain stages of my life and those were outlets and those were ways for me to start to develop a different process of thinking. So carry on. I, I don't know if I rambled so much. No, I confused no, you. I was waiting to see if there was a specific question, but when you made the statement about, um, um, it, why do these things keep happening to me? Right. All my red flags went up. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I think we can all relate to this. Yes. Right? When are you going to start asking yourself a different question? As long as you keep asking yourself that question, why don't you ask yourself instead of why do these things always keep happening to me? Why don't you ask, when am I going to start thinking about this differently? So this, so that if this continues to happen, I view it differently. How can I turn this lemon into a lemonade? Yes. How, and there's a million questions that you could ask that would change the trajectory of what's happening there. And some of them are the, also take you into a worse place. Right. So, Pick those that are empowering right. you. Gratitude just for the things we have. I mean, there's, we all can experience horrific things. And I go back to losing my father at 15, which took me the darkest point in my life, which actually was the turning point to why I even got on a self-development road to begin with. And now I sit here today going, I'm grateful for the 15 years I had, because it's a lot better than a lot of the 80 years yeah. Others have had. Yeah. And it's, there's so many things that I can be so grateful for. And I just challenge listeners that are listening to this. Look like what Greg said, look for that positive in each thing, find the gratitude. And if you can shut down at night, going to bed, looking for the gratitude 
in the things that were positive that day, regardless of all the pain, it's life-changing. There's a, a quote that's attributed, uh, that I attribute to Tony Robbins, which is that nothing in life has any meaning other than that which we assign to it. So when something happens, um, you know, my daughter, uh, Cassandra, who's now 33, but she had cancer when she was an infant. And I remember having read um, uh, Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. There's a number of secrets. He never makes any of them um, explicit, but one of them is within every adversity lies the seeds to an equivalent or greater good. All right, so I have a daughter that's 18 months old that has cancer and might die. This is not good. Right. How could this potentially be the best thing that's ever happened to me? That's a question we ask. My, right. my wife, Moni, and I talked about that. We looked for positives and we saw them. We saw families being torn apart by this. Our family got stronger. Now, was that because of how we looked at it? Well, of course it was how you looked at it. Of course it was. I want everybody course, listening to, uh, of course to really hone in on yeah. that. But it's hard. You know, it's easy to allow the emotions to dictate. Um, but we made a list. I don't have the list anymore, but we had 10 things written down about how that made us better, stronger, how that was empowering to us. Cassandra now is um, uh, a professor of biochemistry at the University of Chicago. She is basically focusing her research on things that directly or indirectly will work on building a cure for cancer. Wow. Yeah. She's turned lemon into lemonade. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And without that experience, she would have not had the motivation. Without, without that experience, okay, she would not have had, she, I don't know what she would have been, but I don't think she would have been that. I think she right. would agree. Yeah. You know? It gave her a motivation yeah. to find a cure. Yeah. Now, I just want people listening to this to hone in on that. The first thing you have to do is take responsibility for everything that's happening to you. If you don't take responsibility, you really don't have a basis or a foundation to even begin to build. And, and, and this is a great point, but it's not about taking responsibility. Stuff happens. Oh, right. I, I can be driving uh, home today. And I can be in an automobile accident. It was not my fault. That's not the, I don't need to accept responsibility. But your reaction is the responsibility. My, how I respond right. to it is, the res, is right. my responsibility. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I'm glad you clarify that because yeah. it is not. We cannot predict and control things that come to us and happen to right. us. But our responses are right. completely controlled and can be uh, uh, changed. I guess I, I still have a question. I don't think you actually answered. I think Heather was asking Sorry. a little bit. No, you're fine. <laughs> Was there an event that really started you down a personal development? I mean, I know you've done yes. some different yes. things. Oh, yes. What was that event? So um, I walked into a bookstore in Westerville, Ohio, suburban Columbus, where I was living. And I'm walking through this bookstore looking for books. And I pulled out a book that was written by a man by the name of Deepak Chopra entitled Creating Health. So because of that book is the reason you and because I know of, each other. Because of, the, <laughs> because of the first chapter of that book, which is literally like 10 sentences, he talked about life and about what life can and should be. And he didn't say anything 
that you can't find in the Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and have life abundantly. Right. Okay. And if you look at all traditions and all scriptures, there's that message. He just said it in a way that resonated with me, that sent me down the rabbit hole that he was presenting to me. Mm -hmm. Right. But that started it. That the fire is already in there, but it connected me to that. That, that set you on a that, path. That set me on the path. Because it was through that path that you eventually ended up in Iowa. That's right. And we won't get it. We don't have time we, to even get we, into we all that. that but, but it was just, it's interesting how so many connections have happened and how things That would be the starting point. Yeah. That was the starting point. It's just interesting. I just share that because I think a lot of times uh, I, I know looking back what started it for me. And I didn't know that until years later. Right. I had to go back and look. So I just challenged listeners to look at events of your past and learn from those. But even, you know, find those those watershed marks to build from. Yeah. It's uh, you've got to have those. Uh, and when you talked to, you've mentioned awareness and self-awareness multiple times here. This is an example of making the effort to go back and replay this. This is where self-awareness comes in. You can explore that. Right. That's, right. That, that's how you practice. That's one way right. to practice self-awareness. And a lot of those things are work. That's the work we're talking about. Oh, yeah. About. That's, that's Henry Ford said the hardest work we do is to think. And he's right. He's right. <laughs> the strongest muscle in our body. It's the one that probably resists us the most. Yes. yes. <laughs> so that's always unique. Um, want to wrap this up here pretty soon, but I have a uh, question for you because you're 70 years old. I know you're on a very intentional work schedule, but as far as work goes, it's not really ending for you. And I don't imagine it will, but what, what is, what do 10 years look like for you? Um, my work life now, as you kind of know, consists of three months of the year where I work hard. And I have all my peer group meetings and I go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. Um, the other nine months of the year, um, I don't do much. I mean, I have a, occasional this, occasional that, but the only thing on my calendar today is you. Okay. Um, so um, when I leave here, after I get my lunch and take care of my errands, I'm going to go back, I'm going to do a bicycle ride. Now that is not just for fun. Right. That is me getting out and my walk in the woods or putting myself in the environment, which allow things to bubble up. Right. Um, and it has its physical attributes. Oh, it, as well it, as absolutely, it, it absolutely has its physical, it helps me physically. So um, uh, I, I don't want, but I am fully engaged in that process. I'm intentional about when I go out that this is time for me to shut down everything and just see what bubbles up. Um, going forward, as long as my vocational choice continues to serve my personal growth, I want to continue to do it. The, it's just like being a roof consultant. The instant I realize all I'm doing is getting money out of this, I'm done with it. Okay. okay. Um, the, the other thing that's interesting is every time I've made one of these changes, more money has come. Right. You know, I, I got, I walked away from a lot of money when I was a roof consultant over that period of time. But once I started peer groups, I replaced all of it and then some mm -hmm. in six months. 
And the interesting part, though, is I just want to really point out money wasn't the focus. No, money's not. Money was not the focus. And when you're focused on the money, it's a lot harder to earn. Money is a byproduct. It is. Yeah, it's it's it, it's not the end. No, it's a means to the, right. It's it's a means to certain ends. Right. Okay? But it is a result. It's right. not. It's not so, the goal. So in the next ten years, from what I, if I would paraphrase from what yeah. I heard, this is your schedule today. At some point, there may not be a, a challenge for you in that area. You might go another direction, and- or or a new challenge could appear that would have me engaged vocationally more. Right. Okay. Is it serving my growth as a human being, my evolution, right, or not? And if it is, I'll keep doing it unless there's something better. Or unless there's not. Yeah. Do you think he would share with us his personal mission statement? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to share that with you. Um, but it's not a traditional. That's mission. okay. Okay. I just, the reason I ask, I want people to understand it's important. So um, in this country, most people are in the Christian religions. Right. Okay. So I'm going to use that language okay. to describe it. Um, my, my goal in life is to complete the process of sanctification. Most Christians have the mistaken idea that Christianity is about salvation. No, Christianity doesn't start until that point. What happens after that is all sanctification. It's called growing into the likeness of Christ. That's right. a common understanding. Okay. Right. There is a finish line for this. You can go to the finish line. My goal is to cross that line. Okay. Okay. And when that happens, that doesn't mean I'm done. That I might work more, I might work less, but my mission statement is to complete that journey. Okay. And that's excellent. And I just wanted to bring that up as much as anything, because I don't think a person can set goals to get to the means of, to the end. And that's why we started with this. Yes. Because I think so often people think goals are the means, are the end, mean, and it's not. We've talked about that, but you have to have really a personal, because we talk about that in business a lot about having a mission statement for a company, but you really have to really begin with the personal mission statement and then start to piece the puzzle pieces back in. All these companies have goals. And by the way, most of them are performance goals. They're not yes. learning goals. Right. So most of them are, I want to increase my revenue. I want to increase this. I want to increase that. The reality is they need to have learning goals. And they need to make sure that they facilitate an environment that even all of their employees yes. can learn. Yes. And that's why I have a strong belief that it's it's 80% personal and leadership development and 20% systems and processes. Yeah. Because if you don't grow as a person and in the leadership ability and help facilitate an environment for your people to grow. I, I know companies, I know you probably know of them as well and have seen it and others that I don't know of, but if they really focus on the growth of their people, their growth is absolutely crazy. Absolutely. And it's, and then they come and speak and talk about their systems and everybody goes home and nobody can do what they did. (laughs) It's, it's about principles. Right. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, I may not get this quote right. This is another one. This is another thing that came out of uh, my- You're going to have a lot to think about this afternoon on that so, bike. Pr- <laughs> um, 
as to methods, there may be a million, but principles are few. The man who understands principles can select his own methods. The man who understands methods, ignoring principles, is sure to have trouble. Right. I have all sorts of people come to me and ask me what they need to do. No. What do I need to think? How do I need to think about this? Right. If you think about it correctly, there's a lot of different things you can do. If you just apply dumbly the, 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 the process, it doesn't work so well. No. You've got to have what's right. behind it. Right. You cannot miss the steps. Right. You've got to go through the process. I want to thank you for joining us on Mindset Growth Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed having Greg Hain on here with uh, Heather, my co-host, as much as I have. It's been an awesome interview. Go out and look him up. You can find him on his social media platforms, on uh, Facebook, and I'm sure he'll have information there to lead you to others, his website. Uh, we just appreciate your time with us. Thanks for joining. <music>